Axis Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas Bank here. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, private equity's presidential problem and a surprise candidate to become WeWork's next CEO. But first, blame the algorithm. So last Thursday, a well-known Silicon Valley engineer named David Heinemeyer Hansen tweeted out that upon applying for Apple's new credit card, he was given a credit limit 20 times higher than that of his wife. That was despite the fact that she had the better credit score and that the pair files joint tax returns. When Heinemeyer Hansen called Apple customer service, they basically blamed the algorithm created by card issuer Goldman Sachs. Why the algorithm did what it did or any other sort of justification, well, that wasn't forthcoming, probably because the customer service reps simply didn't know. Apple eventually increased her credit limit as a one-off, but the story went viral because, in short, this situation wasn't actually a one-off. Twitter quickly became inundated with people having similar experiences, most notably Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, who said he got offered a credit limit 10 times higher than that of his wife. And financial regulators in New York said they would open an investigation into the card and Goldman Sachs. Why it matters is that this incident likely reflects the biases of those who originally programmed the algorithm, and it could also be high profile enough that other financial services companies will pay much closer attention to what they put into their black boxes. In 15 seconds, we'll be joined by David Heinemeyer Hansen. But first, this. This episode is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Know everything about coding, but not so much about banking? For more than 35 years, Silicon Valley Bank has been helping high-growth companies navigate through each stage of the startup journey. Stay tuned to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. We're joined now by David Heinemeyer Hansen, co-founder and chief technology officer at Basecamp. Let's start with where things stand now. Have you heard anything new, say, in the past 24 hours from either Apple or from Goldman Sachs? Not really. Goldman Sachs keeps putting out these uh, more and more contrite public statements that essentially don't resolve anything, just say, we hear you, but we're not going to do anything. So it doesn't look like uh, anyone is uh, interested in making any change just yet. Maybe the uh, New York state regulator just have to grill them a little more and they'll be a little more motivated to actually fix the problem. Goldman Sachs said in one of those statements that its algorithm doesn't make decisions based on factors like gender. Do you believe them? I'm assuming not, but kind of walk me through that statement because you're somebody who, who develops code for a living. Is there a way that can both be true and it discriminates based on gender? Absolutely. And I think it's completely true. There's nowhere in their algorithm where it says, if a woman applies, give this lower rating. No, that's not how algorithmic bias works. It works by feeding it training data that ends up being biased or it ends up considering things in some cases and not considering things in other cases. For example, the prime defense that Goldman Sachs is using is that they're using an individual assessment. Now, if you just look at an individual assessment and you, for example, don't correct for the fact that there are millions of stay-at-home spouses that essentially perhaps could not show any individualized income, but of course are still part of a household that shows household income, especially in community property states, then you're going to end up discriminating against millions of predominantly women or spouses that don't show that income. This is one of those things where the industry is just slowly catching up to itself. Already in 2013, there was put out this um, memo by the consumer whatever federal bureau that was set up to be a watchguard for the financial industry saying you have to consider 
shared income. You have to consider assets that are available to repay debt. And if you don't, of course, you're going to end up with a gender biased algorithm. So I think the defenses they're putting out so far are simply digging themselves deeper into the hole. David, as part of this, you know, the Apple card is a little bit different than some others in that when a married couple applies for the card, it does consider each individual spouse as individuals as opposed to as a married couple. Whereas, for example, if you apply, you can apply as a married couple for an Amex card. And it's, it's basically in both of your names simultaneously. So I'm wondering for you and your wife, have you ever previously applied since being married for credit cards separate from one another? We haven't, but it's also irrelevant because when both my wife and I applied for the card, we put down the same income because we put down our total household income, which is exactly what we're supposed to do when applying for a credit card. So even if you just looked at these applications individually, what you would see would be that my wife and I both had the same income, that we both had a similar credit history, and that my wife had a higher credit rating than I did. Because she has a longer credit history, she's an American citizen, I'm a green card holder, all the cards are in her favor. Yet still, we ended up with this sexist outcome. This is officially an Apple card, an Apple credit card, right? That, that's the branding on it. But as, as we've talked about, it's really run. The back end of it is all run by Goldman Sachs or the actual card issuer. From your perspective, what responsibility does Apple have in this situation? They have 100% of the responsibility. The iPhone is built by Foxconn in China. Is anyone holding Foxconn responsible if there are design issues with the iPhone? Of course not. What does Apple advertise this card as? Card made by Apple, not a bank. I mean, it is literally the headline of their marketing material that this is a card designed by Apple. So they can't have it both ways. They can't both claim that this is an Apple card, a new kind of card, as they also say, and then say, actually, this is just business as usual, and you just have to deal with Goldman Sachs. The mounting scandal here is the fact that this has been rolling since Thursday, and Apple has yet to come out with the basic of statements. They continue to defer to Goldman Sachs, and that's simply unacceptable. Does this make you personally any less likely to buy new Apple products, whether that be iPhones or headphones or something else? I think that this absolutely does ding Apple's brand. And this is why I'm particularly mad. I've been a huge Apple fan, buyer, stockholder for 20 years. Same with my wife. The whole reason we were interested in this credit card was because we thought, hey, Apple thinks different. They're going to do this differently. And that was what the marketing material said. That was what the key feature for us highlighted, that Apple was going to protect our privacy. They weren't going to sell our purchasing data to data aggregators. And that sounded like a great deal. And we wanted part of it. So to see Apple essentially end up cowering behind a bank, even though they say they make the cart themselves, is just utterly disappointing. And yes, it does diminish their brand in, in our eyes. But I also think the other thing here is consumer uh, advocacy doesn't have to be binary. It doesn't have to all be, well, someone does something that you don't like, and then you cancel everything they do forever. We can also simply just try to make them do better. Goldman and Apple haven't said all that much. You know, Goldman said a bit, Apple hasn't said anything at all, really. And then you don't really seem to see any changes. But that said, it's been a, just a, whatever, five days, six days. Do you expect that this situation, what you raised and everything that's come from it, will indeed change the credit card industry for the better in the long term? From because of something I did? No. But because of something Apple could do? Absolutely. Apple is the titan that reshapes industries. They've reshaped countless industries. They can throw their weight around. They're a trillion-dollar company. If Apple is not able to make the credit card industry behave better, then we might as well just all give up. David Heimeyer Hansen, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. My final two right after this. Earlier, we highlighted Silicon Valley Bank's experience with helping startups. 
But with Silicon Valley Bank, you're also getting a partner committed to supporting you as you strive to hit your next milestones. Perhaps that's why 50% of VC-backed tech and life science companies choose Silicon Valley Bank. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a possible late entry into the Democratic presidential field. And I'm not talking about Michael Bloomberg. Instead, this is Deval Patrick, the former Massachusetts governor and Barack Obama buddy who the AP reports is seriously considering a run, although he'd have to file paperwork for the New Hampshire primary by this Friday. What's perhaps most intriguing about a Patrick run is that he could serve as a foil to current frontrunner and fellow Massachusetts transplant Elizabeth Warren, because Patrick has spent his time since leaving office as a private equity investor with Bain Capital. Yeah, the same Bain Capital founded by Mitt Romney and the one that became such a flashpoint during the 2012 presidential election. Now, Warren has made private equity one of her top boogeymen, referring to it as legalized looting and pledging yesterday on Twitter to, quote, end it, although it was unclear if she was referring to ending the entire industry or just its worst practices. Either way, the threat to private equity is that Patrick becomes a private equity punching bag for Warren. The possible upside is that he could hold his own and use his experience with so-called impact investing as a persuasive pushback against painting the entire industry with a broad negative brush. And finally, The Wall Street Journal reports that T-Mobile CEO John Legere is a leading candidate to become the next CEO of WeWork. Three things to know. First, this is far from a done deal, particularly since Legere isn't the only WeWork candidate. Two, it is unclear how this would impact the pending merger between T-Mobile and Sprint, which Legere is supposed to lead. And three, why Legere would even consider this remains unclear. Again, he's in line to become CEO of America's third largest wireless carrier, with a goal of taking on market leaders AT&T and Verizon. WeWork, on the other hand, is, to be kind, a very leaky ship. Maybe it's like Bloomberg's Matt Levine once said about the Uber CEO search, that for those who like to play the CEO game, they want to play it on the hardest possible setting. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great National French Dip Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.